you are listening to the Moody Girl podcast with me, Emily Fazer. I'll be opening the minds of experts, enthusiasts, and storytellers, discovering their secrets on health and how to make the most out of life. Hey guys, I just wanted to talk to you today about how I'm currently upping my water intake at the moment, as I found it so easy to forget to drink enough water when I'm out and about and I'm rushing around. So I was speaking to my friend and she told me to get a good water bottle and recommended the Camelback ED+. I've noticed since I got mine, I find it really easy to get my daily recommended water amount. I've tried other water bottles in the past, but for some reason the Camelback just makes water go down so much easier. It's something to do with the nozzle. It's some kind of magic, I'm honestly not sure, but it's great. If you're looking to up your water intake, you should follow the link in the show notes of this episode and get yours now. Okay. Let's get to the episode. On today's show, I'm so excited to speak to my next guest, Danelle Randall. Danelle is the founder of the revolutionary business and community Cervical Wellness. Danelle never intended to get into this work, but after refusing the LEAP procedure time and time again after being diagnosed with HPV and cervical dysplasia, SYN3, She felt unsupported by her doctors and completely helpless. It was from there the hard work really started on her journey to heal herself naturally. If you're unsure what cervical dysplasia or HPV is, don't worry, we're going to be delving heavily into this during this conversation. Danelle's story is one that provides hope for so many women and AFAB individuals questioning the conventional treatments that are currently on offer to deal with cervical dysplasia. I know for me, Danelle's work has acted as a shining light in what I can only describe as the darkest night after my own diagnosis of cervical dysplasia, which I'm still currently going through. If you are listening to these episodes and you're enjoying the content, please do like, share, subscribe and give a five-star review. I'd really appreciate it and hopefully this will get these episodes to people who need to hear this information the most. Okay, let's get to the episode. Okay, so listeners, I have a really, really special guest today. Um, I just mentioned this off air. I am super fangirling because I've been reading and, you know, all about your story um, and your amazing work. And yeah, I feel so lucky that you're going to be sharing all of your work with the Moody Girl audience today. So welcome, Danelle. How are you? Oh, I'm doing so great today. Thank you for having me, Emily. I'm honored to be on your show and to be introduced to your community amazing um so you know wind back five weeks ago I you know didn't even know what cervical dysplasia was I didn't really know anything about my cervix I didn't know what it looked like um and then the diagnosis happened and you know everything was you know felt like was taken away from me um in terms of almost like my freedom I felt like I still do you know um have felt like I've had this huge thing weighing over me um and I've lost kind of ownership of my own body Mm -hmm. um so it was only when I think I was week two and it was like two weeks of proper like felt like mourning um and then I just googled on Spotify I was like surely someone's speaking about this on Spotify right um, and I came across your interview with Nicole Jardim. Um, and that was just like, I literally like, if I can describe it, it was like I was in bed, I like chucked the covers back. And I was just like, right, action, you know, and it was just like, finally, somebody else is asking the questions that, you know, I, I was feeling inside. So for anyone who hasn't heard of your work, can you please give us a little bit more of an understanding of your own backstory with cervical dysplasia and how you're you're where you are now? Yeah, so my business brand, my work is called Cervical Wellness. And the uh, whole aim of me developing this body of work over the last uh, seven, eight years has been to provide um, information and an outlet of possibility for women to know that they can heal when they are facing abnormal pap smears because you know it's actually amazing how many women in the world have the diagnosis of HPV or cervical dysplasia get that abnormal pap smear and there is 
basically no support or mm-hmm. information about how women can help themselves. And so, you know, my story is very much like so many other women who who go into this sort of work is I had HPV and cervical dysplasia. I was diagnosed at 19 with my first abnormal pap smear. And for the first four years of my diagnosis, uh, I was literally told nothing about what was going on. You know, I was told that, oh, you're young, you'll heal, don't worry about it. So I didn't worry about it. I was in my early 20s. I'm not going to think about something unless, you know, it's made to be seen as dire. And it wasn't then. Yet as the years went on and the dysplasia progressed, it got worse and worse and worse. And for people who are like, well, what is cervical dysplasia? It's basically a precancerous condition. It's abnormal cells that are being presented on the face of the cervix. And abnormal cells, if they're left untreated or unchecked, can then develop into cancer. So, you know, as the years went on and I continued to have these diagnoses, uh, the dysplasia got worse and worse and HPV was still showing up on my test. And, you know, during those initial four years, I would ask my doctors questions like, what can I do to help myself? Like, is there anything I can do? And the only thing I was told that was possible that might help was taking these supplements folate and lysine. But really the story that I was told over and over again was that there's nothing you can do. Like the only thing that you can do is to let us give you the HPV vaccine, which I I asked them many times, I'm like, can you please explain to me how getting the vaccine can help me if I already have HPV. Mm. And they couldn't explain it to me. And I'm kind of a stubborn person. I was like, well, if you can't explain this to me, I'm, I don't like needles. I don't like shots. Like, I'm not going to just like say yes to this. And the only other treatment besides that was getting the LEAP procedure, which in the UK, I think it, it's um, might be called the LETS. You know, there's just different acronyms they use, but basically it is the surgical removal of the abnormal cells on the face of your cervix. And it's done with this like electrized um, device that just like cuts away at the face of the cervix. And in my time and in here in California, they didn't give women anesthesia for that. It was just like maybe some numbing, but for many, many women, it was just done like while you're sitting on the doctor's table. And I Googled, I searched online about this procedure and I found myself on all these forums of women who had had this procedure, who had had really terrible side effects. And I scared myself. I got like really freaked out at the thought of having this procedure done. And I had had colposcopies, which are biopsies of the cervix. And I knew how painful and uncomfortable that was to then think about having like the face of my cervix shaved off, um, terrified me. Mm. So I, out of fear, said no to those treatments. So, you know, at the four-year mark, I was at the highest grade of cervical dysplasia, SIN 3. It was like SIN 2 reaching into SIN 3. There's three levels of cervical dysplasia, 1, 2, and 3, and then it goes into stage 0 cancer. And the my practitioners I was seeing were very... Um, fed up with me because I wasn't quote listening to them. (laughs) And so they sent me away to this big wig OBGYN to like, so I would listen to her. I would, you know, listen to this, you know, professional, like she was a teacher in obstetrics gynecology. And I had my seventh and final colposcopy biopsy because after that I declared I was never going to have another one again. Mm. And she told me that I still had cervical dysplasia, the HPV probably is still there, but because I was refusing their treatments, there was nothing they could do for me. So I walked out of that hospital truly believing, Emily, that I was going to die an early death of cervical Mm -hmm. cancer. I was 23. So 
you know, at this time, there was like no information really online on how you can help yourself. How, like, what is the cervix? What is cervical dysplasia? It was always just like WebMD or, um, you know, these very medical things that always point you towards the HPV vaccine or the LEAP procedure or a cold knife colonization, which is like an even more intense removal of the face of the cervix. Um, so, you know, when I went home after this appointment, I had a moment in the shower where I thought I was going to die an early death. And then like a miracle happened. I truly call it a miracle. My body, the voice of my body came online, what felt like for the first time ever. And I heard this voice inside me that said, Danelle, something is wrong, clearly, but we and if we're going to figure this out. We've got this. We've got this. Mm. And so then I stepped out of the shower and I was like, I'm going to do this. Like we, I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, we've got this. So then for three years, I continued to have abnormal pap smears, but I was on a mission. I did dozens and dozens of hours of research of combing libraries and um, research articles about cervical dysplasia, HPV, how does the body heal? How does the female pelvis work? How What is female physiology like and how does it differ than male physiology? And what are the things that we've been learning that have been actually incorrect for our bodies? And I went back to graduate school and I got my master's in integrative health because I was like, how, how can the body regenerate? How can the body heal itself? And I was learning story, I would read stories of radical remission of cancer, of people who had, you know, stage four pancreatic cancer. And then within like a week, suddenly it was gone. And, you know, there's, there's true miracles that can happen within the body. And I just, I dove headlong into it for three years and basically changed my whole life, changed my whole lifestyle, changed the entire framework in which I approached my body in my mind. Um, and, you know, after three years, lo and behold, seven years after that initial diagnosis, I had a pap smear on a Thursday. And on a Saturday morning, my doctor called me from her home line at home, which freaked me out because I thought she was going to tell me I had cancer. But she told me that the pap smears were clear and the dysplasia was gone and wow. that HPV was not showing up in my system anymore. And she asked me, she's like, Danelle, how did you do it? So in that moment, obviously I was happy and excited, <laughs> but then I very, very quickly devolved into anger. I got very, very angry. And I realized that I had spent three years in this like deep educational journey of of putting together all of these pieces that nobody else had before. I'm like, why, why was this so hard for me to, you know, pull all these strings together to find this like cohesive understanding of how the cervix works in the body and how the body heals and regenerates this place, this like very deep place in the female pelvis. And that is the inspiration for the development of cervical wellness, mm -hmm. where I have put together everything I've learned now over the last 12 years, because the, the learning has still continued and the cervical healing journey, even after the healing of the abnormal pap smears has continued. I now have, there is now a place for women to turn to when they have that experience of getting the diagnosis, feeling like you said, you know, just completely like in grief and like, what have I done wrong? What can I do? There is now a place that women can turn to. And, um, you know, I never thought I'd be doing this in my life, but here we are. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah. And it's helped so many women around the world. And I'm very humbled by having my like the darkest journey of my life bring so much light uh to something that can be so scary mm -hmm. I mean it's so incredible listeners I hope you enjoyed listening to Danelle's story because when I first read it in your book um and then kind of delved into your podcasts and then did your um, workshop your 101 workshop um yeah it was just eye-opening for me but I guess like 
almost when I was first reading your book it was like anxiety feeling because I was like wow I was like you were so young and you had you know this on your shoulders at that age and doctors who are like you know gospel at that time you know I mean I, I don't think if I was in your position at that age I don't think I would have asked those questions I think I would have taken what they said as gospel and I probably would have gone down a different route but you know I'm I'm 33 going on 34 and I've done a lot of you know research the you know in my 30s but I think what kind of struck me which was so incredible was you were so young and you really made that radical choice and to the point where doctors were saying we can't do anything for you and like for somebody so young to hear those words i was just like almost like choked up because i was just like geez louise like you really went through it and like you know that is so traumatic to have you know what we have been in society grown up to look at you know as a beacon of hope a doctor is a beacon of hope they're supposed to be anyway and for them to say no I can't do anything for you that is crushing you know and the fact that you were so brave and you took those not you know I I didn't know it was three years to be honest and that is dedication you know um, so, I mean, hugely, hugely thankful for your work um, and for being so brave, because without you doing that, then so many other women um, would not be, you know, learning right now and asking those questions. If I hadn't, have, you know, Googled on Spotify that day and listened to you speaking about the cervix and your own journey, I wouldn't be questioning myself, you know. So, yeah, from me and hopefully the audience who can relate to your story, it's a huge thank you because I am just in awe of your work. Um, so um, I, yeah, wanted to, I guess, go into, because I know a big part of your book is is talking about our connection with our cervix and you know because there's been lots of stuff I've seen online on YouTube on forums and it's like take this supplement do this blah 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 I got rid of mine great and I know like as a human being I'm very spiritual and I've always like been very sensitive I'm very like um, empathetic I feel people's emotions so you know when you talk about the cervix it feels almost I think you call it a portal is that correct Yes. Um, yeah. Talk us through more about like, I guess, the body mind connection with the cervix and and how you see that in, in, in your kind of healing path as well. Yes, I, I think that this has been actually the biggest piece within this body of work is the reestablishment of a relationship with this place in our body. And for so many of us women, I mean, almost every single woman that I've ever spoken to who has had any sort of diagnosis in their pelvis, whether that's, you know, in their ovaries or uterus or cervix or whatnot, is there has been like a mental disconnection from the lower half of our body for one reason or another, usually from sexual, reproductive, or gynecological trauma, or being instilled with shame at a young age, or being told by our mothers or families, like, that's a dirty place, whatever. So, you know, in the way that I approach the cervical healing journey, which is what, what I call the process that we go through to heal our cervix ourselves, and not just on a physical level, but heal relationally as well, emotionally, spiritually, and mentally, like the connection to the entirety of our female body. That, you know, the cervix is, I, I talk about the cervix like as though it is separate from the whole uterus, but it is a part of the uterine body. Like there's the uterus is like an upside down shaped pear and the cervix is just the, the bottom section. And so, you know, the, the part of the cervix that I focus most on is the face of the cervix, which is the part of the cervix that's exposed in the vaginal canal. And the vaginal canal is... Um, not considered like an internal part of our body viscera. Like it, it's kind of like a collapsed tube, right? So like things can go in and out, air can go up in there, but the barrier between the outer world, which 
the vaginal canal, I actually consider to be kind of like the the entryway to the outer world from our body, the the barrier between that and our inner world, our innermost special place within our body is the cervix, is the face of the cervix. So when we as women are like disconnected from this boundary place, from this portal between our inner world and our outer world, there is a disconnection from not just our body, but from who we are as a as a whole being. And for us women, you not only our own traumas in our own lives, but then, you know, that just the long history of women being disconnected from our pelvis for one reason or another is this fragmentation that has happened within us has led us to have just deep stress within our body, low level continuously at all times. And when like our body wants to be well our body wants to live but when we reject a part of our body when we fragment ourselves from a part of our body our body doesn't know how to be okay with that it's kind of like our mind and our ego it's like we're riding in this in this bodysuit in a way and so the way i see cervical dysplasia or really any you know diagnosis in the pelvis, but let's talk about cervical dysplasia, is it's our body calling out to us to reconnect, to reestablish a relationship with ourselves in that place that for some reason we have disconnected, we have fragmented from this place within ourselves, and it is creating these um, <clears throat> symptoms for us to come back home to it, for us to like settle back into it and address the message that it's telling us. And for many, 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 most women, I'd say is when we start to come back home to our cervix, there's so much pain. There's so much grief and fear and anger and like memories that we don't want to ever think about ever again. But our body is saying, actually, we need to integrate this because until we do, you're going to be popped out of the pelvis. And how can I be well and vital? This is like body speaking. How can I be vital unless the conscious awareness of you, of me, is, is there as well? And so, you know, the face of the cervix is the termination point of some of the most um, important nerve pathways in our body. So the cervix is the termination point of the vagus nerve. That's the one I want to name here, but it's also the most uh, innervated in separate nerve pathways. It's the most innervated part of the female body as a whole. So like the clitoris has the most nerve endings, but the face of the cervix which is the part that like, you know, if the vaginal canal is opened with a speculum, you you see the face of the cervix, <clears throat> that there are, um, I believe, four different paired nerves. So paired nerves meaning it's like the same nerve that then bifurcates and like kind of terminates on either side of the cervix. Four different paired nerves. Um leading to different parts of the body. And the major one is the vagus nerve, which is actually one of the 12 cranial nerves that comes out of the brainstem and innervates most of our major organs. And it terminates, it ends in the face of the cervix. So in my mind, you know, I believe that we can't as women be fully embodied (laughs) unless we are also embodied in the face of our cervix because these nerve endings, these nerve pathway endings, ending in the face of the cervix, like that's intelligence there. Like, you know, like just like we have major nerve endings in our fingers or in our mouth, like that's in the face of our cervix, there is intelligence there. Mm. And when we are disconnected from there, when our mind is disconnected from there, we can't fully know ourselves. We can't fully know our place in the world. And um, a major part of the cervical healing journey 
is coming back home to this place in our body and facing, you know, I like to use metaphors, you know, the, the face of the cervix asks us to face our reality. And oftentimes when we start to come back home here, we suddenly start to see and like face our life in a way it's like, whoa, okay, things aren't actually working for me in this way. Like, and things that you maybe never thought about suddenly no longer feel in alignment with your body. Mm-hmm. And it's the intelligence of the face of the cervix that guide us back home to what is actually good and right for the well-being of our body. Uh, so I know I kind of went in a circuitous way there, um, but I hope that made not, sense. Yeah, no, that's like, I, I read something, I've written it down here that I wanted to read actually, because it's kind of similar to that. But I would say like after reading your book and then, you know, kind of following your journey, like for me in the space of five weeks, six weeks, like I have made so many huge life decisions and like, it's almost as though like, as you say, perfectly described there as like me coming back home and realizing who I am, you know, and like, what have I been doing with my life for the past few years to get me into this state? You know, why, why is my cervix communicating in this way? you know, there's something underlying that I'm not looking at. And I feel as though in a way, you know, and I, I'm really pushing very hard to heal this naturally, you know, but, and I'm, I'm very cautious because I'm not there yet. I'm very much the beginning of my own journey, but in a way I've seen it as a little bit of a blessing in disguise because I'm like, actually, it's it's really helped me to face up to situations in my life and make some really hard decisions, which actually don't feel very hard anymore. I'm like, what was I doing? Hello, you know? So I 100% relate to that. And I saw something the other day and I sent it to my mom and I was like, this is like, it's a nail on the head. I saw it on your Instagram. So it says, dysplasia manifests when we reject the beautiful divine essence that is unique to each and every one of us from moving through the birthing portal of the cervix. Dysplasia to me is a sign of self-rejection. And I was just like, mic drop. Like that is so, like hits the nail on the head. And I just kept on reading it and reading it and reading it because I related to it so much. And I think that is exactly what it is, you know? And, And I think that was probably the missing link for me when I was starting to try and think even about healing or why I was feeling so upset and and that yeah so I 100% think that's something that people should know and you know if you are on your own healing journey and you're looking at supplements and you're looking at dietary changes also this is a huge factor um that you've kind of flagged now so thank you so much for that Mm -hmm. um so I mean I have very much changed my diet um, since this diagnosis, um, I am somebody who has naturally quite a lot of inflammation in the body, whether that's been from chronic stress. Um, I have psoriasis, so autoimmune issues. Um, and so this made me really think about what I was putting into my body. Um, so very much on an anti-inflammatory diet. I was vegetarian for three years. I've now brought back in fish and some poultry as well. Um, and I, it was somewhere that I read that you were speaking to a client and you were saying, communicate with cervix, you know, do a meditation. What does your cervix want? And your client was like, it keeps saying steak and I'm a vegetarian, you know? And I wanted to ask you, you know, what are your thoughts on how the, how diet can affect the cervix and in specifics uh, dysplasia? Um, And what happens if you are a vegetarian and you all of a sudden start craving meat? Like, is this what the cervix needs? Mm, That's a really good question. So, you know, just like with any part of the body in order to heal, it needs energy, you know, and we really only have a finite amount of energy within our body at any given time. And the way that our body produces energy is within the mitochondria of the cells. So it's like an organelle. It's like one of the little pieces of the cell. It's called the mitochondria and it produces ATP, which is the energy that our body uses to to do the things it needs to function. 
So if we are nutritionally depleted or deficient, our body will use the energy that it has is just to stay alive. And it won't be able to allocate any of that, any extra energy or any energy to the regeneration of something that is going wrong. What I have found is that animal products are the most nutritionally dense foods available. Mm -hmm. And for the female pelvis in particular, like saturated fats coming from animals and animal products like meats fuel the body in a way that has like a sustained and long, long trajectory creation of energy that vegetables and plant matter, even plant fat like coconut oil or avocado oil that just can't match. So, you know, it's a tricky thing because I do know that there are many women who are vegetarian and vegan and I do my best to work with women around that. And I do often push a little bit around, well, what about just like taking like as a supplement, you know, you can take oysters as a supplement or, Mm -hmm. you know, organs, if you're even feeling wild, like beef liver, this sort of thing where you're not actually tasting it, or you can put like butter in a capsule to sort of like taking it as a supplement. But what I have found is for the, if you are wanting the timeline to be quicker in your body to be like topped off in energy, to be able to allocate it to the regeneration of these cells, because to regen, like the way that the cervix heals is it's not like the cells that are already dysplasic suddenly change and they are back to normal. Actually, what happens is the cells that are already abnormal is they go through their life cycle and they die. Mm. And what happens is then the body in the creation of the new cells, there's like this constant flow of cells that are being produced on from the cervical canal to the face of the cervix. It's like this flowing Taurus in a way from the cervical canal to the face is we're actually wanting to support the body that in the creation of the new cells that they actually remain normal instead of then in their life cycle turning abnormal Mm -hmm. so like once the cells are already abnormal there's nothing you could do about that they just have to go through their life cycle and then they get absorbed by the body and die. But what we want is the body to have more than enough energy to then create those new cells and for them to remain normal. So, you know, in my, in my years of doing this work with cervical wellness, I, when I first started, I would be a little more accommodating for women who are vegetarian and vegan like oh well you know you can just you know supplement you know animal protein with beans and this what not you know whatnot but in the last two to three years my mind has actually really shifted in kind of pushing a little bit and saying like if you are having these diagnoses there is, this is an indication of depletion, like not just on a like energy level, like I'm stressed, but your body is depleted and is unable to actually recover from this mm-hmm. because our body produces abnormal cells everywhere all the time. I mean, that's what like freckles are, the, you know, like it is said that we have cancer in our body at all times. It's just our body, you know, kills it off and, and does what it needs to do. But if it is remaining there, if it is stagnated, that means there is a depletion. And if you want to help that in the best way possible to fuel your female physiology, animal products are like penultimate. Mm -hmm. So obviously I would never shame or force anyone to do this, but I am pretty honest now in saying like, If you don't want to taste it or whatnot, like supplement with it. Mm -hmm. And there has to be, there 
There needs to be a willingness to change, to do things differently. Because if you have continuous dysplasia or even continuous HPV, like if your immune system isn't able to overcome this virus, that is also a sign of depletion. Mm. Something isn't working. That means something in your life isn't working. And we have to be soft within ourselves to and malleable to make these shifts. So, you know, it's a touchy subject, but at least I've been seeing on social media, uh, oh no, like maybe a turn towards like deep nourishment for women and turning towards more like hearty foods, like bone broths and these sorts of things. It's because our uterus and our pelvis and just our hormonal system, the female system in general, really does require a lot of energy to function healthfully. We have a lot going on in our bodies. And if there is con- persistent dysplasia, that is an indication of nutritional depletion. And I would advocate for the implementation of animal products. I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about Cytoplan a unique science-based supplement company with many years of experience in nutritional science and whose emphasis is on quality of product. My medical herbalist swears by them as they don't use any unnecessary bulking agents. Before I found out about Cytoplan, I was taking up to eight supplements a day, all with bulking agents in them. It was such a relief to find out Cytoplan products are extremely pure. I now use them daily and I would recommend them to anyone looking for quality vitamins and supplements. They have a great range for many different health benefits. So if you'd like to find out more, please follow the link in the bio of this episode and check out Cytoplan. You won't regret it. Yeah, I think for me, it makes a lot of sense because I was... Yeah, for three years, I I went fully plant-based in lockdown because I, you know, did it for my autoimmune condition, started with the juice juice cleanse, did that kind of of thing and kept on that path for a really long time. But then also got down a bit of a a rabbit hole of having fake meat to replace Mm -hmm. that, which is just processed and was destroying my gut. Uh, So it was really counterproductive. And I had HPV for three years, you know, and that shows to me that there definitely was depletion um, that I, and also something to note, like I really didn't know that HPV was something that could, I don't know, I never, they never, after I got that letter, sat me down and said, hey, this is what HPV is. Like your immune system is compromised right now. Why don't we think of some ways, you know, let's boost this immune system. Like I wish somebody had sat me down and had that conversation because, you know, similar to you, uh, when you first, you know, got your diagnosis, you know, you were young and you were just like, yeah, whatever, you know, it's fine. This it, is going to be fine. And it was the same as me. I'd have this letter. Okay, HPV again, it's all good. But no, it's not all good. You know, there was depletion in the body. Um, and so, and I come, and that's something else I was going to bring up is, I know you talk a lot about like lineage and heritage and looking back into um, like my mother's lineage and, you know, my father's mother um, and their kind of lineage. And when I thought about that, like both sides of my family are very much like meat eaters. Like I come from Polish and Lebanese descent. And then my even my mom, who's British, they're all very much like chicken and they've never we've never had vegetarians in the family. So I have always been like the odd one out in that respect, you know, since I've been embarking on this journey. And so when you started speaking about just more of the heritage and, and where that kind of slots into that healing journey, I was like, OK, I'm going to incorporate, you know, oily fish is back in my diet. I had like a chicken broth today for for dinner, which was amazing. And at first, yeah, it was weird. The texture was a little bit strange again to introduce and I felt bad about it. But then I was like, you know, this is this is for my body and this is for my healing process. So as you say, yes, it can be a controversial topic. topic um, but if we're talking about healing your cervix, then it's something that we need to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, like I said, I, I'm seeing more and more conversations around this being had. And, you know, something I've said that's kind of that was controversial is like, 
your body doesn't care about your ideology. Um, (laughs) You know, it's like our beliefs and feelings about something like the body doesn't care about it, actually. And um, so that's like where you kind of have to you like come against your brain and your heart versus the needs of your body. And I acknowledge that. And I, you know, I've witnessed and held women through that transition. And, um, you know, my client who you referenced, who was like, my body just wants steak. Like I, she sent me photos. No, she ended up buying like a hamburger, I think. And she like made the hamburger and (laughs) she sent me a voice note. She's like, Danelle, I just ate that in like three minutes. Like I didn't, I didn't even couldn't even think about it. My body just like woofed it down (laughs) and she hadn't had red meat in gosh, like 10 years. Um, so yeah, I, I know that the transition can be hard and like, there's a lot to work through and, you know, she ended up healing her sin three cervical dysplasia in less than a year. So, wow. And that's what I'm going to say to you actually. So, um, Actually, you talking about how the cervix heals itself was really great for me um, to hear that just now because I didn't really kind of understand how that happened. You know, it all feels very abstract. So I'm like, I'm like doing all these good things for my body. I'm making like big life changes. But like inside, I'm like, is it working? I don't know. You know, so it's it's like this abstract journey where you like, I think I'm getting better. I feel better. But is my cervix better? You know, um, so like in terms of the abnormal cells, do they differ from person to person in terms of like their lifetime? Like, can they go in like three months? Can they go in six months for somebody else? Can it take two years for somebody else? Can they be like way more stubborn than in, in some people? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, for me, it took three years Yeah, of like, finally, you know, but I had to figure this all out myself. But I have seen or I have received stories of women who have like taken my program or with my clients. Um, generally, I find it takes for like lower grade of cervical dysplasia, I'll just say on average, about six months. Mm-hmm. Um, for higher grade, I've seen it take anywhere from like seven, eight months to like a year and a half. Mm-hmm. However, that's just average. Cause I've also known women. I had this, this story actually made me cry because I don't know. I don't know what this woman did, but she healed herself in six weeks. Of what? Like and three. Yeah. Um, her mother actually, emailed me being like it just said my daughter in the headline she's like you are an an earth angel you helped my daughter in a way that I don't think you ever could understand and I'm just like I was crying like how did how six weeks like (laughs) what like she had a pap smear then she did my program I don't know it must have been yeah like one of those spontaneous remission experiences wow a spiritual homecoming in her body and um So, you know, it is different for every person. And I like what I, I would love to just speak very briefly on what I see as like the, the foundation of the cervical healing journey of why I say it takes six months Mm -hmm. is for the first three months of really diving into the information, diving into like kind of reorienting your brain around like, oh, like my cervix, I'm going to have a relationship with her now. For the first three months, it's really like a reorientation, like you're living life one way and then suddenly you get this diagnosis and then you're diving into the work and it takes three months to like kind of reorient yourself to this like, okay, this is, this is like a new way of living now and how I approach my body and my cervix and my pelvic well-being. And then for the next three months, it's really just like settling into the day in, day out, like chop wood, carry water experience of being in relationship with your cervix and your body in a devotional way. Mm-hmm. And that's why I I don't know, this is just all like anecdotal, but that's what I have seen happens, especially with my one-on-one clients is like after that six month mark, it's like, okay, like 
I feel like I'm fully, like I've landed in my body now. Mm-hmm. I'm in my cervix. I've like faced things that I've needed to face. I've made the changes. I've deeply nourished myself. I've taken those supplements for six months. I've done the self-care practices. And it's like at that time, body's like, okay, like we are actually on the trajectory that feels good in life. <laughs> I don't have to be, I don't have to keep shouting this message anymore. Mm-hmm. And then the dysplasia is gone. Mm-hmm. So that is what I have seen time and time again. That timeline can obviously be different, <clears throat> but I would say like, yeah, six months to a year, depending on the grade of dysplasia. Mm-hmm. That's honestly, I can't explain how comforting it is just mm-hmm. to hear you say that because like I've developed like a real fear of speaking to my doctor and the kind of stage where I'm at at the moment is I refused the LEAP procedure. They told me, first of all, it was SIN3. Uh, they think it's SIN3. Um, and then they did a uh, biopsy, which, by the way, was so traumatic. Like, had no idea, like, what that was going to be like. It felt like they were grabbing my cervix out of me. Um, and then instantly was hit with period cramps. And then for the next week, you know, just, you know, horrendous. When I was going to the toilet, it, was, it wasn't great. Um, but... Then I got the letter and they said it was sin too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he said, but you know, your age, I, I said, listen, I'm, I'm healing my, I'm really working on healing myself. I'm doing this. I'm doing this, you know, please give me at least three months to try and work on this myself. And then we can have another conversation. And he was really concerned. And like instantly when a doctor is concerned, then that, puts anxiety I was at work I went into a meeting room to take the call and he was like yeah we think that it might be in the crypts but we're not sure um and you know we don't know because the microscope doesn't go that far um and you know I'll have to take it to a multi-board like a like a multi-board of doctors basically so I was like that's where we left it and I haven't heard anything since but he made me feel as though I was like archaic like I'm 33 so because of my age I'm not going to be able to heal myself and I was just like I said to him why why you know are you saying about my age you know I don't feel that I'm old I feel as though I you know I I don't smoke I'm not drinking I'm doing everything that I can to you know I'm researching it I'm working with a Chinese doctor I've got a medical herbalist I'm doing everything I'm doing you know all your work too um and it's like they don't want to hear it you know um so just hearing you say that is so comforting because you know it does feel a bit radical sometimes you know and and some people you know even my friends who are just worried are like you know what are you scared about you know it's just a procedure and blah 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 and when when even your friends say that it's instantly like oh god you know then you start doubting yourself and so that you've walked you've walked it you know you're here to tell the story and how many years clear are you now for the audience eight I mean so yeah I actually just surpassed the time that I had dysplasia and HPV and I just had a pap smear in April yep and it's clear and I'm officially eight years no issues and yeah yeah well the thing about western gynecology I mean allopathic medicine in general is you know everything is an emergency you know it's like oh you're presenting this like we have like x plus y equals z we have to do this procedure but the way the body heals is it takes time like it has taken time to wind this up you know this symptom it's going to take time to unwind it Mm -hmm. and um you know, just because you have SIN2 or SIN3 cervical dysplasia, it doesn't mean you're going to have cancer tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you don't get it, if you don't do anything about it or address or check it or like work, you know, on healing your body in any way, yeah, it can develop in a short amount of time. Like I've had women tell me, you know, like six months it developed into cancer, but they didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't, face their reality of how they were with their bodies. So, you know, the the thing that I coach my clients to do is, you know, just tell our doctors, like, thank you so much for your concern. I will book the appointment when I'm ready. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they're going to continue to try to fear monger and bully. Mm-hmm. And just remember that they work for you. 
-hmm. Like you are paying them, you know, maybe it's your insurance or whatnot, but you don't work for them. You're Mm -hmm. not on their timeline. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge mental shift as well. Um, But this is why my book is called Informed, Aware, Empowered. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's about empowering ourselves to take back control of the trajectory of our body. And we do have to also understand that yes, there is a risk, but there's also a risk of getting these treatments. And there's also a risk of, you know, saying yes to what they want to do. There's a risk with every decision. Mm -hmm. Um, But with what I have found with the risk of cervical wellness is that the, what, what happens on the other side is just this deep, full belief in our body's ability to recover and heal and the cervical healing journey is life transforming and I this is kind of strange to say Emily but I'm excited for you like I'm excited that you've said yes to this and I know you're like six weeks in right five Mm -hmm. six weeks in and like this is just the beginning and I know it's scary Mm -hmm. but for anyone who's on the journey like just keep going like you got this like you really do like I believe in you I have hundreds of testimonials of women who have also done it like you can do this you got it yay that's so such a relief to hear um and yeah thank you um so in terms of I guess I think I've heard you mention it before and I guess it's really hard to encapsulate your like top tips but say like anyone out there who's listening and they've gone through what we've been through they've had their smear test pap test in the U.S. And it comes back with some abnormal cells and they go to have a biopsy and they've got, you know, cervical dysplasia. What would be your advice for them, for anyone who's listening, who may have just, just started that journey? Yeah. So the first, excuse me, the first tip is to educate yourself. So know what the heck is happening in your body and have an understanding of that. And that's, I mean, I have a book, you can read it, it will explain it, but you don't, you know, just somewhere learn like what is cervical dysplasia? What is the transformation zone, which I haven't like spoken to that there, I've spoken to that here yet. What is happening within your body? What is HPV? How do viruses work within your body? Because once you have like education, then you can like orient yourself in your brain. Like, okay, this is what's going on. Because one thing I have found with women is, you know, the doctors don't really explain anything to us. And so then we're afraid and we don't have the information. And so then we make decisions out of lack of information. We're not informed. So the first piece is to educate yourself in some way. Um, I have a free content library on my website, which has a video that's like about the cervix, in terms of the cervix, if you would like that as well. The second piece is to um, start, so this is again part of the reorientation in your mind, start to reorient your brain to thinking about your cervical well-being every single day. And when I say that, I don't mean like pile on 20 different self-care things and you're going to just change your life overnight because that sort of process overwhelms us and then we tend to stop and then not do anything. But my suggestion is to just do one thing a day every single day on behalf of your cervix. And this is like coupled with nourishing yourself and just taking care of your body in general, making sure you're moving, drinking, you know, hydrating, you know, the very basics of taking care of your body. Uh, Added onto that, just one thing a day, every day. This can be as simple as in the shower, putting your hands over your womb and just like consciously breathing into your cervix, like taking three breaths there. That can be the one thing a day. Um, Other self-care tips are like doing a vaginal steam. Um, You can even just like intentionally going outside somewhere in nature within your mind saying like, this is on behalf of my cervix one thing a day on behalf of your cervix 
allows for longevity to happen because like I said a moment ago, if we try to pile on too many things every single day, we get overwhelmed. Um, and the third tip is to be in it for the long haul. You know, the, the healing journey, the cervical healing journey is a marathon, not a sprint. And so it's really important that you work with the, your nervous system and the fear that wants to come up. And as you mentioned, you know, having others fears placed on you, you know, your friends, your family, your doctors. So in some way, like tending to your nervous system while having that fear surround you, it's like, keep coming back to the to the knowing that your body can heal this is why i said in my story like i would read stories of people who have healed like stage four cancer because that like solidified in me like okay it is possible to heal like these crazy things like mm. way worse than my situation and other people have done it other people have done it so um yeah, like the, like, whether that's like journaling, you know, journaling out about what longevity means to you, like being in the marathon, what sort of fears come up, how can you tend to your nervous system? If you need to find a therapist or, or some sort of mental health support around this, I highly recommend that as well. Um, but that combined with, you know, the one thing a day, every day, <clears throat> plus educating yourself and like bolstering yourself with information. Um, also in the free content library I have, I have a whole host of like research articles where if you want to see like the data mm -hmm. of different things, like that's there too. Um, that is like a really solid foundation that you can then build upon. And um you know, go slow with yourself. There's really no rush. I know it feels like there's a rush, but our body doesn't rush. Like we can't rush the process. Um, <clears throat> and I like to use a word that, um, to characterize what happens on the cervical healing journey, that when we start to do the one thing a day, every day, educate ourselves, tend to our nervous system, there is an unfolding that starts to happen where as you are connecting with your cervix and taking care of yourself in this new and intentional way, like in your inner world, you'll have inner revelations about what needs to happen next. And like, I can't tell you what needs to happen next. It's as you are on the journey, it starts to unfold. And like the layers of I call like cervix, like this multidimensional onion, like it starts to peel back and suddenly like new things are revealed. And if you follow that, like with the inner wisdom that comes up, as you start to build upon this foundation, if you actually follow and listen and take action upon that wisdom, you'll, you'll be well on your way to, um, receiving the results that you desire, which is a clear pap smear. So that's where I would invite people to start. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for that. Um, I was, I was going to ask, actually, with your clients, you know, because this is such a transformational journey and, you know, do you see people quite literally like coming in as one person and then by the end, are they like a different person? Well, like their authentic selves. Are they like, ta-da? you know this is who I've been dying to be the whole time but it's been trapped inside <laughs> yes actually it's yeah. um I didn't I didn't really know what I was witnessing at first because I'd be like whoa like this is well beyond just like women's health like people are changing their whole life actually one of my clients I had last year she moved to LA to have her like lifelong dream of being a rock star and now she's like singing shows and stuff she's like Danelle cervix led me here <laughs> <laughs> and, like she was not you know she like it was something she always wanted to do anyway you know, it's it's really, really beautiful to witness what happens when we start to um, heal our relationship with the creative, generative 
place within our body, our womb, our cervix, the birthing portal, birthing ourselves out into the world. Uh, the other thing I've noticed is women, once they go through this journey and like, then they heal is suddenly then their whole life path turns into wanting to support women in mm. women's health. Mm-hmm. Um, that's happened a lot as well. Maybe not necessarily like cervical healing, but in some way, like supporting women and healing their connection with their body. Cause it's such a profound, profound journey. So yeah, it's, I'm always excited when I get a new one-on-one client because I'm like, I wonder what butterfly is going to <laughs> come out of this experience. But I mean, that's literally how I envision it when you're talking about it. And like already, I mean, we haven't had a one-to-one, but I've been so lucky. We've had a one-to-one now, which I feel is amazing. Um, but yeah, I feel as though just from your work, it's like, honestly, like a light bulb has gone on and it's it's just like, hello, what have you been doing? And so, and thank yeah, thank you for that. Um, one thing I've also been wondering um, is, so I know there's a lot of fear around, you know, I'm on lots of these forums. Um, so obviously after you get this diagnosis and then like if you're in a long-term relationship and then sleeping with partners, um, you know, what happens? Because men can have H- HPV, right? But they don't have symptoms or not that we have symptoms, but it doesn't show up. There's no test for men. So say, for instance, you get rid of HPV and your partner has it from when you originally may have given it to him or vice versa. Does that then go back or is your immune system boosted so much that, you know, it will fight it off instantly? How does that work? So that's been something I've been worried about. Yeah, so there's no way to be reinfected with the same strain. Okay, so once great. you have, because there's multiple strains of HPV, mm-hmm. HPV 16, HPV 19, HPV 24, like there's like so many different strains. Mm-hmm. So like once you have one strain in your body, it's actually always within your body. Like viruses, you don't ever like like eliminate them fully what just happens is the immune system develops the intelligence to be able to just keep it at bay you know that's um the way viruses work so like if you're in a long-term partnership it is very likely that they have the same strain of hpv Mm -hmm. but it's not like that that hpv will come back into you because you you already have it and your body is already like working your immune system is already working on developing the antibodies and whatnot for that strain. Now, for people who are not in a long-term monogamous relationship, that is a little different because you can be infected by different strains mm-hmm. of HPV. And so, you know, this is where like like having protective intercourse is important. Um, and also just being... Um, open to communicate about it because uh, HPV can affect men's mouth and throats actually. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if there's any sort of like oral sex and he doesn't know about it, like there's something there. However, I do want to name that HPV is the most prevalent STI in the world. It is said something like like two thirds of the human population will have contracted some form of strain of HPV in their life. And so like, yes, it can cause issues in some people yet if people do take care of their bodies and if people are concerned, like they can take some immune supporting mushroom supplement, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Um, it is a tricky thing. I have women asking me like, oh, can I like never have like sex again? And I feel like I can't actually answer that because it's it's like, what is your risk tolerance? And um, like, how do you feel about, you know, your immune health, this sort of thing. So it that's a, a tricky thing. But for the people who are in relationship, you can't get infected by the same strain and people who aren't in relationship know that if you have recovered from one strain you can get infected by another Mm -hmm. however I like to think that if you're on the cervical healing journey and you are taking care of yourself and supporting your immune system and your stress levels and this sort of thing that the body will just 
be able to fight back, battle it out and there won't be an issue. Amazing. I think that's, yeah, it's an important point. And I think, you know, for anyone out there, it's, you know, because it's, especially if after you have like a biopsy or something, it's so um, traumatic and, you know, afterwards, the last thing you want to think about is anything going on down there. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, it takes a while to even come back to to those thoughts after having, you know, a biopsy. Um, so, yeah, so I hope you find that interesting and helpful audience. Um, so for we're coming to the end of our amazing conversation now, Danelle. Um, and for anyone who, you know, isn't aware, can you give us, um, you know, your website link and your Instagram handle and so people can find you and reach out? Yes, of course. So it's very simple. My website is cervicalwellness.com. I'm on Instagram of cervical wellness. And my podcast is called the cervical wellness podcast. I just try to keep it nice and <laughs> nice and easy for people to find me. Um, yes, if you have any sort of questions, and you know, if you look at my website, and you're like, I don't know where to begin, there's a video on there about what I where I suggest you begin. But if you'd like more like tailored approach, you can always email us at info at cervicalwellness.com. And my VA like has a whole list of like, this is what we suggest for this. This is what we suggest for that. Um, yeah. And reach out if you need anything. I'm pretty active on Instagram and yeah, I'm here to support the women. Yay. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much. Um, this has probably been my like most favorite episode because you know, I'm really going through it and you have really changed the course of the route that I'm going to take moving forward. Um, so audience, I really hope you find this episode helpful today. Um, and yeah, I'll also put your handles in the show notes as well. Um, but thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for all your work, because without you, we wouldn't be taking these, you know, these informed and empowered steps, as you say, from your book. Um, so thank you. Thank you, Emily. It's been such a blessing to speak with you. And you. Take care and have a lovely day. Thank you. For anyone out there who's either directly going through HPV or cervical dysplasia diagnosis, or if you know someone, friend, partner, parent or sibling, please do check out Danelle's work so you can begin to educate yourself on all of the options out there. For me, even just being on this journey for five weeks, I finally felt more clarity and certainty in how I want to live my life. My mantra moving forward, does it make my cervix happy? If it's a no, then I'm out. It may sound extreme, but the prospect of developing cervical cancer is probably the scariest thing I've ever been told. My aim moving forward is to put together my own treatment plan and work alongside a trusted gynaecologist. And I just wanted to say a huge thank you again to Danelle. At such a young age, she took huge risks and never gave up to create a body of work that will forever help future generations of cervixes that need to be healed. To find out more on Danelle's work, you can find her on Instagram and TikTok at Cervical Wellness and her website is www.cervicalwellness.com. I've also added a link to buy Danelle's book in the show notes. As always, you can keep up with what I'm up to at Moody Girl Official. You've been listening to the Moody Girl Podcast. Until next time.